Remember back in January when a group of Redditors drove up the price of GameStop? It was discombobulating. It was disturbing. Like, what the hell is going on? I'm Annie Minoff, and I also wanted to know what was going on. Since then, I've talked to dozens of people and learned the full story of how a Reddit forum fueled a massive stock surge. One that took Wall Street totally by surprise. I should have known. Yes, I should have. But I did not. Follow our five-part series on The Journal, Sundays starting May 30th, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, Guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. Over the years, Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast has enjoyed inclusion on lists of the best podcasts to listen to and uh, continues to uh, gain recognition as a great resource for small business owners, sales professionals, business leaders in general. And this is really because of the guests who, who come on the podcast. These are folks who have expertise in certain areas of business, and they join me for a conversation where they share that expertise with all of you. That way you can get what you need uh, when you need it, so that you can be doing better things in your business, enjoying it more, and being more successful. Today's no different. My guest today is uh, Lee Kohan. Lee co-founded the L Group Incorporated, a leadership and organizational development consulting firm in 1999. Lee's passion for serving leaders enables him to deliver cut-through-the-clutter tools that elevate leaders and their teams. He was nominated for Top Management Thinker Globally by Thinkers 50. He's also the author of the new book, The Power of Positive Coaching. Thanks so much for joining me today, Lee. Thank you, Diane. My pleasure. Appreciate you having me. I am thrilled to have you here. We're going to be talking about positive thinking and positive coaching, which um, I love this whole, I I am considered a positive thinker. (laughs) So I am curious. what are essential habits that someone needs to have to build a positive mindset? 
Yes, we, you know, in any, in any situation, whether it's a coaching situation, Diane, or you're dealing with your kids or a colleague or you're working in the community, um, if you want to get kind of winning results in relationships, uh, there are always great coaching habits you have to have, right? And there are a few of them we boil down in part of the book. But in any situation, the mindset that you bring in is going to dictate how well you, that, that interaction goes. So we're really big on first building a positive mindset before you go into kind of any kind of interaction. And so there are four levels of awareness we talk about that, that you need to have kind of deepen your uh, awareness around. Uh, and, and they are your thoughts. And we always say, you know, the, the game of life is one, the six inches between your ears. So it's really about your attitude, right? So it's your thoughts, your purpose, your values, and your emotions. So really understanding those and being able to master those uh, brings a, a much level higher effect, higher level of effectiveness into any interaction that you might have, and, and drastically increases the chances that you'll get what you want out of that relationship, and really get what you both want out of it. So it's really about as any leader, you're trying to create winning results and relationships, and that's really, really what the a positive mindset helps bring to the table. Okay, Let, let's talk some about emotions because th there's a lot that goes on about. Uh, you know, we shouldn't have emotion. It's like, you know, there's no crying mm -hmm. in baseball. Right, right. Um, but, but you've written a chapter on why you need to know your emotions. So right. why is that important? Well, if you think about it, we're, uh, it, we're, we're really are emotional beings. So we really do need to understand, uh, understand them and be able to master them to be able to uh, kind of be as effective as we can be. It's not just about getting what we want, but also creating the kind of relationship that we want. So, um, you know, if you think about the animal kingdom, there's you have stimulus and response, right? If a mouse sees cheese, the mouse is going to eat the cheese. It doesn't really have a choice in the mouse, just going to eat the cheese. Uh, but as humans, it's the, the equation is slightly different. So it's stimulus, and in the middle we insert choice and then response. So we all have a choice in terms of how we react to things. Even if we feel like we're running around crazy, our boss is telling us all the things to do, or our employees are telling us, or our customers, and, and we're just reacting all day. The fact is we still do have choices. So part of that choice is being able to understand our emotions and not react to the emotions, because if we do, then we're just like the animals. It's stimulus and response. To the extent we can have a deeper understanding of why I'm feeling that, uh, and, and maybe even why another person's feeling something and they're reacting to me a certain way before I just lash out, to understand that emotion, even if it's somebody else's emotion, let alone our own emotions, um, we are more likely to kind of craft a response versus react. We, we, we're, we're keen to distinguish between reactions and responses. So we want to have a craft a response that enables us to build the relationship and build the results that we want. So it's really critical. I think it's at the core of any personal, just your, you know, any personal leader, right? If you're leading just yourself, let alone a business leader, is to really master his or her emo emotions. Yeah, it's interesting. It, it, it takes that um, self-awareness, right? You, you uh, have to really be able to stop and think, okay, hang on a second. This is really where I am, and I don't want to, like, say the first thing that's in my head. Right. <laughs> given yeah, how I we, feel we will coach, I'll coach my kids, I'll coach executives that – Rarely has a great decision ever been made that is born strictly out of your emotional reaction, right? Yeah. You know, and it, we, we love leaders and we love people that are passionate about what they do and their, their life, but that passion shouldn't be mixed up with making emotional decisions, right? Ah. So there's, there's a balance that we do want people that are passionate about what they're doing. And if you can be passionate about it, then you, can, then you also know that I need to be making the best decisions along the way and reacting in a way 
that helps me move toward the thing I'm passionate about. That's your why, if you will, like kind of what, you know, yeah. Simon Sinek's work on what's your why, right? So it's like, what's your why? What's the real reason you're doing this? If you can create, let that be kind of your true north, or your lighthouse out there, and then say, okay, if that's really what I'm trying to drive at, uh, then I, I need to be careful about just reacting to how I'm feeling right now. I mean, the world would be in a much worse place than it is even right now if everyone just re reacted to what they're feeling in the moment. Our, our emotions are actually fairly deceiving. So we need to be able to kind of filter through them and bring understand what's underneath them and use that insight and that level of awareness and knowledge to then craft the appropriate response. Yeah, I think it's so important. I get it now. I, I get why you know, that's such an important thing. Um, so, so sort of um, pulling off of that, that, that whole idea, talk to me some about how leaders can build better relationships with their teams. Cause I, I feel like this is a really big thing. I was mm -hmm. going to say problem, but I'll say thing yeah. um, that, that goes on a lot in businesses of all sizes uh, that doesn't, sure need to you know it's sort sure. of like unnecessary strife yeah well then we, we believe leadership's an inside job right so it starts with your self-leadership first and then moves out from there to your team leadership and then ultimately an organization you know how do you lead an organization but so in terms of building better relationships with others it really starts with the relationship with yourself and i'm kind of i hate to tie right back to it but it's really about your own awareness of and understanding of your thoughts, the thoughts you have in your mind, which lead to the beliefs you have, which ultimately lead to your actions. So it's your thoughts, your purpose and the role that you're in. If you're a leader, what is your real purpose in your role? Your personal values and what you bring to the table and what does that mean in terms of what your team can expect from you and what, and you, what you expect from them. And then also, as we mentioned before, the, your, your awareness of your emotions. So if you start with that, you bring a much more, uh, effective authentic self to the to the interaction to the relationship that makes it much easier for others to connect with you but if you're bringing lots of junk blind spots baggage to the table you're just putting a lot of barriers up for people to be able to connect with the real you they're either having the tap dance or figure out well he said this but does he really mean that or she did she mean this um so really it all the the relationships with others starts with the relationship with yourself and we we see this you know, listen I, I saw this in college uh and i and i see it all the way up now as we deal with executives i remember 20 some odd years ago talking to my parents going thank you for like loving me unconditionally and giving me like a good sense of self and 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 self self-esteem because i see that as, as a resident assistant back then like how it's playing out even then as people trying to fill holes or struggling with relationships because they were struggling with their own relationship with themselves and then honestly, years later, we do work with a lot of executives and many of the issues come back to that also. So I would just uh, reiterate by saying it really starts, starts inward, right? So, so with that in mind, let me try to more directly to answer your question, if that's all right. Sure. And say that, that, that winning relationships all, often come from helping people create winning results. So as a coach, there are these four levels of awareness, but then there are also five coaching habits we talk about that if you can help people become successful, you also, in a positive way, you're also developing a, a, a good relationship along the way. It's not like I just have to develop this relationship and get close with my people and there's this like blurry line. If you just help your people become successful and the best versions of themselves, i.e. help them achieve their potential, 
you'll create the positive relationship that'll 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 come from that. Uh, so I, I think sometimes people worry so much about either driving reels, driving results, and they sacrifice relationships, or I want to work on the relationship so much that they're really not getting the results, and so they have their employees become their friends, but they're really not getting the the, the mutual results that they want. Uh, they're so intertwined that but I, we believe that if you just help people become the best version of themselves and move toward achieving the business results and the team's results, um, the relationships will come. Because when we talk to people about who your best leaders were, they're all talking about they may not have been like like my best friend, but man, they were awesome. They had a positive impact in my life. I could trust them. They had my back. Those kind of things come out. Uh, so you, I just want to draw the distinction that you don't have to necessarily be someone's best friend to have a great working relationship with them. Yeah, because it's really more about respect. And I, I love this idea of focusing on helping them succeed because it, it just has a different um, focus, well, focus, but just feeling to it that you're not thinking about yourself. You're not thinking about driving the numbers. You're thinking about like what you realize is, okay, if each one of the people on my team are succeeding, whatever mm -hmm. that means, then we're all going to succeed. Right. The whole place is going to be better and they are going to be happier and, and we will have a better relationship because of that. That that's yeah. really, I love that concept. Yeah. And we find the most inspiring coaches and leaders really focus on how many people they serve versus how many people are serving them, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really they view their, their role as one of servant and how do I help this person become the best person they could be, not just the best employee they could be. Uh, and, and if we're, you know, I think, again, the best leaders and coaches really view themselves as servants to others. And so yeah. if we can help people achieve the kind of success that they're they want our success will will come will come with that right absolutely right right it's like sales when yep. you focus on not on selling but right, on helping yeah. someone solve a problem right yeah. Yeah. and yeah then you sell yep. it's when you're focused on yourself that you're yeah and, 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 and it's it's easier said than done because we live in such a yeah kind of a fame and reward driven culture. Everyone wants the spoils. They want the, you know, they want all, all the, all, all the trappings that come with success and they forget about the process. And it's like, you yeah. know, don't worry about that. Just do the work every day, day in and day out, you know, create those daily habits of creating positive, you know, relationships, uh, a positive relationship with yourself, your own conversations with yourself, your own awareness, have that pour out into your team and then good things will come. So um, yeah. I know it sounds like soft, but it's really very predictable over time. You talk to the most successful people and they'll say, I didn't really try to become a billionaire. I didn't try to become the biggest this or the biggest that. I was just trying to, mm. I was really passionate about our craft and the process and, and putting in the work every day. And yeah. it's no different with a leadership or a small company or a big company. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I, I agree with you. I, I know it can feel a little soft. I, I totally get that. But you say that um, the, uh, that the steps to a positive mindset are things we do every day. So can mm -hmm. you give me some examples of that? Yeah. So for example, let's we talked about um, we talked about emotions a little bit. Let's just touch on those. So simple things. We talked about mastering your emotions, but like okay, that's just a concept. Like what what do you do? So just some yeah. simple things you could do, like something like just keeping a journal every day, right? So you kind of know, this is what I felt like. This is what it felt like today to struggle with this employee or to not get that project or to, to win a big deal. 
This is what it felt like. And it, until you could kind of name your emotions, it's hard to manage them. So really kind of talking through, you know, not talking through, but like writing down, what are you feeling each day? So I, I think a, a, a private journal is, is a helpful, a helpful thing. Another one is like, just like working on your empathy. Like, so we're thinking about how does someone, how does this make someone else feel? This isn't about me. So if I say this to someone, again, we're trying to, the goal here is to build, is to build winning results and relationships. So yeah. how am I building somebody up so they could be the best they could be? And if someone reacts to me in a certain way, so I don't just immediately react emotionally, member stimulus, choice response. How, what can, what choice do I have to say, you know what, why did they react that way? Help me, let me try to get underneath that emotional reaction before I react back to them. Cause then we get this quick spiral up of, of emotional reactions. Um, and one little rule that we love, uh, that we tend to use a lot is, is just called the five by five rule that if it won't matter in five years, don't spend more than five minutes being upset by it. Right. So it's just a very practical thing. This just keeps things yeah. in perspective. Okay. I'm, I'm yeah. in the moment and it's great to be mindful. And I think that's part of being mindful. It's like, okay, I'm in the moment and, and this could really be, seem like a big thing, but it's also important in mindfulness to kind of step back and have perspective and say, you know what? is this really going to matter? And so should I really spend a lot of time on that? But, but you can, there's research that'll show us that like an emotional reaction to something lasts like really seconds, really maybe a matter of minutes at the most. But the reason it plays out is that we continue to play it out in our mind. So like yeah. if you're happy about uh, something great that happened in business or upset about something, it's a quick reaction. The emotion lasts just a matter of moments. It's how we replay it that continues to give it life. So particularly for negative emotions, we can keep replaying and replaying it. We could hold a grudge. We could, you know, you know, we could just build, carry that within us for a long time. Uh, and it could be years later and it feels like we're still feeling it when it was really a moment in time. And then the rest of it was a choice on how we chose to kind of replay that emotion. You know, there's a, a, a phrase in, in psychotherapy that goes, uh, uh, you know, unexpressed emotions don't go away. They just rear their heads in uglier ways. So I think it's important to, if we're feeling something to kind of, journal it, think through it, be able to express it to ourselves and, and ultimately express it to others in a functional, you know, productive way. Um, but if we don't manage them, uh, they're just going to come out in kind of uglier ways. So I just, I love the idea of just, if it's not going to bother you in, in 10 years or five years, just don't spend that much time, five minutes even. Thinking yeah. About it. Boy, no kidding. <laughs> no kidding. And, and um, I, I love this. Uh, stop for a minute and think about why the other person might be reacting the way they are. I think that's a really big thing because we don't. We we react from where we are and how we're feeling instead of stopping and going, okay, hang on a second. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If if I, you know, Stephen Covey's first seek to understand. If if I ask the right. question, that could totally, it will probably totally change the way that I respond. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Our, our yeah. questions. And that's one of the coaching habits is to ask the right questions. And, and so the questions we ask will either expand or limit the kind of opportunities we, we end up seeing for sure. Um, yeah. But I, I remember years ago, I, I had this epiphany and I was upset with somebody the way they were reacting to me and I, they would just really get under my skin. And, and it was in a business setting. And I was like, it really just really, I just carried that along with me for a long time until I stepped back to kind of understand like, why is that happening? And I realized it, their reaction was coming from a place of deep insecurity. They had a hole they needed to fill. So they needed to break somebody else down instead of build them up. And then I, so I started to use that insight across all 
the reactions I would have from various people over time, whether it's someone, you know, in a, you know, that, that, that I might happen to cut off in traffic and then all of a sudden uh, they, they give, say some ni- not so nice words to me, you know, and I could say, well, <laughs> they probably have a right to do that. I shouldn't just kind of react right to them, right? So the, the, the point here is being, is just to understand and have some empathy, like why would that person be feeling that way? And I found that my emotions toward other people converted from being frustrated or upset with them to, to emotions of like sympathy and like, oh, you know what, yeah. that means that person really was scared for something or they were afraid they were going to lose something or they were very insecure or they're still trying to prove something. And, and rarely when, once I try to really understand the, uh, the, the driving motivation behind someone's behavior, did I was still upset with them. So I just think that that level of empathy, and we all have a choice to be able to do that. Uh, and I think and we could afford a little more civility in today's world and not just react to every emotional reaction yeah. we hear. Uh, so I think that's a really important uh, part is to kind of develop, kind of practice that habit of empathy toward others. I do too. I, I agree with you. I feel like everyone's tremendously reactive and hanging on to emotions instead of trying to put themselves in someone else's yes. shoes. Yes. Or, you, or, you, know. you can still, uh, I always tell our kids, you can, you can still be convicted about a particular stance you want, a belief or whatever you might have. At the same time, you could still be compassionate, right? So you, it, be, being compassionate towards someone doesn't mean you have to give up what you believe. It just means you're willing to listen and try to understand it. Right. Uh, but I think in today's world, we feel like if you give up your stance, you're kind of, you're, you're selling out. And I'm just not sure that's true. I agree with you. I'm totally with you on that one. Uh, okay, I'm going to take a quick sponsor break, and then I have some more questions for you. Great. Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. And if you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are The Inside Track by Peter Sage and The Power of Positive Coaching by our guest, Lee Kalan. So visit audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, explore the books that are of interest to you, and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Today we are speaking with Lee about the power of positive coaching. Okay, so we mentioned before um, we went on the sponsor break, we were talking about a couple of things and questions came up, you know, that, that this is mm-hmm. one of these, um, these habits. Um, what questions are out there or, you know, that lead, should people be using that really um, propel engagement? Yeah. So, so just to, to put things in context, so we believe you need to have a, bring a positive mindset to any interaction, a positive coaching mindset. And those are the four level of awareness we touched, levels of awareness we touched on. So you have to know your, your thoughts, your purpose, your values, and your emotions. And once you have a deeper understanding of those, then you could apply the five coaching, positive coaching habits, which are to explain, ask, involve, measure, and appreciate. And so you, you triggered something with the, uh, with the asking. And uh, so um, we believe that we kind of, as human beings, we kind of uh, move toward the direction of the questions that are asked. If you think about science and business and politics, we tend to uh, just 
any of the questions that are asked, we just tend to kind of gravitate. It really shapes kind of human human existence, let alone, you know, just a, a, a coaching interaction or, or a particular business interaction. So questions are really critical. And I think they are uh, probably one of the most underutilized leadership and coaching tools, just by just simply asking questions. You know, Socrates 2000 years ago has had, had it figured out, you know, he has a Socratic method of just asking questions to help kind of develop people's, people's insights. But uh, so before I talk about specific questions, let me just mentioned that a lot of times people talk about, I just need to ask questions. So they just like ask questions versus being <laughs> purposeful with the question. So we believe like before you just ask questions, you need to kind of understand like, what, what do you, what do you want to, you know, under, understand or, or get revealed from the questions that you ask? So there are four main objectives that we talk about. One is to understand. Another is to assess a situation. Another is to in, help people innovate. And another is to motivate. And so each of those understand, assess, innovate, and motivate, you could want to understand a person or a project or a process, right? Just as you might want to assess a person or you might want to assess a project or a process. You might want to motivate a person or you might want to motivate a, you know, a project or a process to move along. So within each of those, so it's almost like four main objectives, but within each of those, then you have to think about, do I want to ask that about a specific person or a product, project or a process. So we have a whole spread right in the middle of the book uh, that, that kind of lays all that out that just kind of helps, uh, helps the reader kind of figure, kind of just figure that out. So, um, but, but there are uh, a couple of uh, questions that I think are particularly, um, are particularly useful that I like. Uh, and, um, and what, one that a friend of mine, Bob TD always uh, talks about, he's a questioning guru, says, uh, is and and what else, right? So just when someone a a asks you, you know, you describe something and and just and what else? So just just it's not even a specific question; it's merely a prompt to help people go on. Because I think what happens, Diane, is when people ask a question, it's almost like they're checking it off, like they're not really in the moment. It's like, okay, just check it off. Right, I asked the question, now I move on to the next one, right? Instead yeah. of really listening and then really trying to ask a question to seek and get deep understanding of a person or a situation. Uh, and so really just kind of using a prompt to, to draw more out from people, you'd be amazed how much more people don't really tend to respond with lots of detail. So the initial response might be, Hey, how did that project go? Uh, I think it's going pretty well. All right. So tell me more or, or what, what else is going, what's going well about it? You could ask that three or four times. And all of a sudden now you have this rich picture of the real status of the project. Uh, and whether it's a project or a relationship or a situation. Yeah. So just kind of artfully using prompts. I wouldn't even call them like magic questions just to yeah. continue to get more information from people. Uh, and, and the other thing is too, particularly in a business setting, people don't really like to be that held that accountable. You know, the old saying accountability is like rain, you know, everybody knows it's good for you, but nobody wants to get wet. So, <laughs> so, you know, when you ask someone, so uh, are you going to meet your budget? Uh, yeah, we think so. Okay. Well, well, tell me more about that. Are we on track as of this week? Like, what are the barriers, right? So just following up and more and more prompts tend to kind of start filling in the blanks because sometimes people tend to be intentionally or unintentionally a little bit ambiguous. So that, that would be my, my uh, biggest, uh, best tip on questions versus a particular question that's like the killer question. I think it's very situation and person dependent. I don't think there's a, yeah. you know, a magic question, but, but there, is, there is just kind of the technique of prompting which enables you to get much more uh, rich information from people, get a better picture. 
Well, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you bringing up accountability because I have a question for you about that. I, sure. I agree that people don't necessarily want to be held accountable. I also find that leaders don't necessarily want to hold people accountable mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. then they'd have to do something about <laughs> the person not meeting whatever yeah. benchmark they were supposed to meet. Right, right, right. Right? So, it, so it, you know, they just don't ask about it because they don't right. necessarily want to know. Right. Well, you, you, you're reacting in the way most of us react. When you hear the word accountability, you tend to think of the back end. So, in other words, someone didn't do something and there has to be some consequence, right? And, yeah. and we are believers in what we call front-end loading accountability. So, if you think of that, if, 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 I, if my goal as a leader or a coach is to make someone successful on the back end, I've got to be really clear up front. And that starts with the first habit I mentioned earlier was explaining expectations. We have to explain. We have to ask questions. We have to involve the person. We have to measure. But it all starts with explaining up front. And we find uh, that, that a lot of times people are hesitant to keep people accountable because they really weren't clear up front. So I'm feeling like, well, it's kind of like subjective. It's my judgment. Is this really fair? And the leader starts second guessing him or herself. So to the extent you can be really clear, crystal clear up front, where we say unclear expectations lead to unclear destinations. So yeah. if you can be really clear up front, your job as a leader is to help your person be successful. It's not about, it's not about you know, having a slap on the wrist or, or, or have a tough discussion later on. You want to do everything possible up front so they're successful on the back end. They know what success yeah. looks like. They're coached along the way. They're given feedback along the way. That's part of kind of the whole positive coaching method. It's not about waiting on the back end. Now, listen, we don't want to be Pollyanna about it. On the back end, still, there'll be people that didn't, didn't get where you wanted to go. But the point is, they know you have a vested interest in them being successful along the way. So it really starts up front with explaining expectations. When we do executive coaching, 80% of the issues that come up is around people just weren't really clear up front. So I would just say, if you could be clear up front and what I call front end load accountability, be clear with your expectations and, and how you're going to measure success and then support them along the way. Um, again, it's never, it's never perfect, but it sure makes it a lot easier. Those, you know, you could totally shift if 80% of your time is having to have those tougher conversations, you could totally flip that and, and make it 80% of time are conversations about celebration and 20% are, are might, might be tougher. Um, but it's all, to me, accountability is one on the front end with, with expectations. I completely agree with you. I really appreciate you explaining that to the listeners because I, I, I completely agree. I think um, that the reason that they, I, I just, I totally get it. I, I, people, leaders, you know, small business owners, t- making sure people understand what is expected of them and, and what the consequences are and making sure they have the resources to be able to do what's expected of them. Mm-hmm. It is critical. And that's the leader's role. You know, that's their responsibility. Yep. I yep. get that. I like this whole front end loaded yep. thing. That, we, that makes we, a lot uh, of sense. we talk about the, what we'll call the circle of consequences. You just mentioned consequences uh, that, that it's worth a two minute conversation with any employee. Once you hand them off a product or a new process or a new level of responsibility, is to talk about, okay, what does this mean for you now? What do you have to do maybe differently or more of? And how is that going to impact our team? How does it ultimately affect our organization? How is it going to affect our customers? 
And then ultimately it comes right back to you. How does it affect even our shareholders? And then back to you. So it's a, a circle. It starts with you and ends with you. And it's totally okay to make it of self-interest because everyone wants to know like, okay, what does this mean for me if I succeed? So let them know if you do this well, that means you're going to get to present something to upper management, and get exposure to them. It means you're going to get to build a broader skill set and be more eligible for a promotion. That means you might have a better chance of getting your incentive bonus. Whatever it is, but let people know that here's this. Walk them through the circle of consequences up front. It's very, I think it's really important. And people want to know that. I, and sometimes managers right. think, well, they're just here to work. That like everyone wants to know, like what what's in it for me? And that's a not. It's it, it's a fair question. It's an okay question for people to ask. So I would say rather than have it be asked silently or let it go unanswered, just be explicit yeah. about it. Walk people through that circle of consequences. Yeah, it, it, there's no downside to it at all. No, absolutely not. Yeah. They're they're clear on it. They know. They know. And, you know. They know if I get it done, this is the good stuff that's going to happen. And by default, if I don't, these things won't won't happen. So, um, and and again, what we hear from leaders is I'm just too busy for that. My people know what they want, and I was like, listen. Clear, setting clear expectations up front is the ultimate pay me now or pay me later leadership proposition. You're either going to get it done right now and people are going to be clear and you're going to be aligned and you're going to more than likely get success on the back end or I know exactly what you're going to be doing in a day, a week, a month or a quarter from now. You're going to be having that same conversation because if you weren't clear up front on the first time, you, it, you know, you're going to have to come back and, and, and re-clarify later. So the excuse of not having enough time is like, well, it's either time now or time later. You can choose when to spend it. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Okay. Do you think that there is value in leaders and managers getting to know their people uh, beyond them, you know, the employee-employer relationship? And if so, how do they go about that without sort of crossing over that line? of? Yeah, I, I believe as a leader, we should and I learned this the hard way when I was an executive is that we should, we need to appreciate the person behind the employee. So appreciating who they are, whether they're a, a single mom that comes in and, and or, a, or a guy who's going through, uh, you know, chemotherapy, but they both come in and they don't complain they get their work done just to but understand like kind of what's going on in their life. I think it's really important to understand the, the the full person i think in particularly in today's workforce people want to know they want to connect on a personal level and i think there's great value in that now does that mean you need to be going out to happy hours with them all the time and go and hanging out at the same parties and that kind of thing I, you know i think there's probably an appropriate line to be drawn there but i think even within the confines of the workplace to make sure as a leader as you're walking around and you're just not you're just going hey how's that project going you're first asking, hey, how'd your kid's soccer game go this weekend, right? You know, how, how's your mom's health? I know she's been ill, whatever, right? So I think people knowing that, you know, what's the old saying? Uh, people don't care how much you know to you, they know how much you care. Yeah. So uh, I think it's absolutely critical that you're going to get more, just frankly, selfishly, you're going to get more discretionary effort from your team if you kind of demonstrate in a sincere way. I'm not talking about being manipulative here, right? Yeah. If you d demonstrate sincere, underline sincere interest in them as a person, uh, and before uh, an employee. So I, I think there's value in there. I just, I think there's also a lot, I, I think you could do that, establish that caring, closer relationship, even within the confines of the workplace without necessarily having to, you know, say that you have to socialize with them all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I agree with that. And, and I like that because, um, they bring their whole self with them to work. Sure. That's right. So, Right, and so everyone's got a story. Everyone's got stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. 
right, right. Okay. So now let's talk about values and principles. Um, mm -hmm. Those were a couple of things that, that you talked about before. Um, talk to me some about what the building blocks are for setting the values and principles. Yeah, I think, you know, again, the four levels of awareness, knowing your thoughts, your purpose, your values, and your emotions. So under, under the values, it's really important to understand what's important to you, right? And not just from a value standpoint to say, because these things are important to me, you know, my, my values used to be when I was a leader, it was these three Fs, fair, fun, and flexible, right? I'm sorry, fair, fair, fun, and focused, not flexible. Uh, maybe I should have had a fourth one. I'm not sure, but it was fair. It was fair fun. The flexible was underneath the fair, right? Because I, I ought to be flexible. So it was fair, fun, and focused. And so I would write those down, and I would say, okay, team, because these are my values as a leader, this is what you can expect from me, right? By the same token, because these are my values, this is what I expect from you, right? So, uh, and so it's the same thing with any leaders thinking about what's most important to you. Now, I, I can give you some foundational values that most inspiring leaders incorporate somehow, whether it's in these, is this language or not. Uh, at the core, these four, the three foundational values are integrity, humility, and caring. And we kind of touched on caring just a minute ago, right? Yeah. So listen, if, what I would say, if, if you don't have integrity, no one's going to follow you. Uh, and, and they see that pretty quickly. And if no one's following you, guess what? You're not really leading. <laughs> so it, integrity really is kind of the cornerstone value that uh, whether you, you know, explicitly call it that or not, you have to be able to do what you say you're going to do, whether anybody's watching or not, right? You need to be doing the right thing. Uh, and you know, what's the kind of the mother rule? Would, you, would, would your mother be proud of that? So um, just doing the right thing. And then humility is also about putting others First, I always say humility is about th you know thinking about others first. It doesn't mean thinking about yourself less. It doesn't mean like oh I'm I'm lesser, but it means thinking of others you know others first. And uh, and then the caring part is that people want to know that they want you know you, you care you, you genuinely care about them as a human. So those are the three kind of foundational uh, values. And then from there um, you know it can be it can be anything. Again, I didn't uh, when I when I was an executive I didn't use those. I mean, I, I think I tried to embed them into who I was, but I just had three other ones. But if you don't have those, whether they're stated or not, uh, you're kind of swimming upstream in terms of trying to build leadership and coaching credibility for your team. Well, and I think it, it's really valuable because you said it and, and uh, sometimes I think people forget this part that being a leader means people are following with you, right? That, yep. that they are following you somewhere. And so mm -hmm. there has to be something for them to want to get behind. That's right. Is there some vision that you have? And, and, and even if you have a great vision, like, do I feel good about following this person? That's really the first and foremost, yeah. even if you don't have a great vision, which you know, every leader should have for his or her team, but it's really about, do I feel good about this person? Right. And, and you know, the old saying, people don't, don't leave companies, they leave leaders. Uh, yeah. And, and we find that's true. If you just do a lot of exit surveys and stuff and, you know, you could have a, not such a hot company, but you have a really great leader, people feel very loyal to that person. And by the same token, you know, you could have a, a super company and a really crummy leader. And I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to, people just don't hang yep. around for that. So, um, and, and it's yeah. definitely, it, that, that phenomena has been uh, magnified with uh, the new worker in the workforce. Um, 
and you know a typical kind of baby boomer just kind of would put his head nose to the grindstone and just no matter what situation what the environment was like what the you just kind of work i'm here i'm going to retire you know that kind of thing and now it's a much more of a free agent workforce and people like you know what if i don't really i don't really like uh, the way this leader is either investing me or interacting with me or respecting or disrespecting me, um, I'm going to go somewhere else. And, and that's what happens. So it's even more important that as a leader, we're kind of very clear about uh, demonstrating uh, the right kind of values for our team. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, speaking of, of that and, and the team, um, there, there's a lot of companies and there's certain philosophies out there about wanting your teammates to feel like owners, you know, to like mm -hmm. really take ownership of what they're doing and feel like mm -hmm. sure. they, they are owners. How does a leader go about, you know, making them more like owners? Because mm -hmm. it feels like there's, there's a, you know, that's a tricky thing. Cause yeah, well, there are actually three well-founded aspects to, to ignite ownership behavior. Uh, one is to have a financial stake in the business. Now that's not as really what it sounds like. So it's not like everyone has to have equity in the business, but you just have to feel that if I perform, I have some potential financial improvement, whether I get a better merit increase that year, or maybe I have a bonus or the company's going to match my 401k to higher level if we perform well, but some potential financial interest in, in success. Now what happens is a lot of companies, particularly startups, you know, give some people equity and think, okay, I, I get ownership behavior now. That's that's it, right? And and that's necessary, but not sufficient. It requires the other two things also, and that is communication about the business. So in other words, people have to know what's going on in the business. So I can't, I, even if I have a financial stake, if I don't really know what's going on, uh, I, it's hard for me to kind of really act like an owner. And so we want to communicate, we call them the fundamental four questions. It's uh, where are we going? What are we doing to get there? How do I contribute and what's in it for me? So if you could, if you want to shorthand those, it's really about what are our goals, plans, roles, and rewards, right? What's the goal? What are the plans to get there? What's my role and what are my rewards? So uh, just basic communication about the business. So it's financial stake in the business, communication about the business, and then some control over your work. People want some autonomy, some way to be able to say, I'm, I have some say into how I'm going to achieve these objectives. So those are the three components that are actually fairly predictable over time. If you can incorporate that into your team, you're much more likely to get what people call kind of ownership behavior, which to me is really just getting discretionary effort from your team. People spending the, the teams and the company's resources like they're their own, but also people thinking about ways to improve themselves and the business when they're not necessarily at, at the office or at, in the yeah. plant, right? It's, it's they're driving, they're driving the work as a client of mine used to say, you know, I want people thinking about me when they're driving down the highway to come to work. Right. And so if you want that kind of discretionary effort, and it's when I say that a lot of times it's discretionary thought, right? It's ideas, people coming up with new ideas and new improvements. It's not just the hands and feet. It's, it's the mind and the heart that they want to get that discretionary effort and thinking from. Yeah. It's so it's so valuable. And, and I love this, you know, you have to fill them in on the business. They have to know what's going yeah. on. You have to trust them That's right. to use that information in, in the best possible way. And that not telling them what's going on with the business is, it can be dangerous because then they come to their own conclusion. 
That's right. In fact, you, you, they fall into what we call the silent spiral, Diane. So, so if, if I don't tell you what's going on in the business and all of a sudden you start to see maybe my office door closed a little more frequently, all of a sudden you're thinking, oh my gosh, this door's closed. Oh my gosh. He walked by me on his way to lunch yesterday and he didn't say anything. Oh no, uh, they're going to sell the company. I'm going to lose my job. It's, you know, and so we, we call it, fall in the silent spiral, which means your silence leads to doubt, leads to fear, leads to panic leads to worst case thinking. So if you can almost picture a spiral in your mind starting at the top, silence, doubt, fear, panic, worst case thinking down at the bottom. And so we come up with these worst case scenarios that really don't reflect reality. But uh, uh, if, we, if we don't proactively as a leader answer those fundamental four questions I talked about before, goals, plans, roles, and rewards, people will naturally, as human beings, it's not a, an assault on your leadership. It's just as human beings, we want to we have this innate desire to kind of fill in the blanks and make sense of our world. So if we only get a few data points, I'm going to take data, whether it's right or wrong, and fill in the rest. And if I'm down here at this worst case scenario, I'm going to fill in all kinds of stuff. And then you start getting, you know, rumor mills and all that. And it's just, it's not healthy and it's wasted energy. So right. the, the challenge is as a leader, we need to stay ahead of those informal channels of communication, which unfortunately are much faster than formal channels. So we have to proactively answer those fundamental four questions. So people have the facts, don't waste, uh, kind of spend, uh, waste energy on trying to fill in the blanks. We need to kind of paint the picture for them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's great. Boy, I mean, that, that is a huge uh, piece of this. So, Lee, I really appreciate um, all this information. Can you tell the listeners uh, how they can get your book and how they can find you and, and what you got going on? Sure. Yeah, thank you, Diane. And we have lots of free resources on our site. There's a tab that, that says right there, free tools. You can go there and have at it. There's all kinds of you know, self-assessments, top 10 list, video clips, and all that. And the site is thelgroup.com. It's just the word the, T-H-E, then the letter L, and then the word group, thelgroup.com. Uh, it's all right there. The, the books, the books are there. We have a lot of other uh, resources and tools. Um, we, we primarily are a consulting firm, but we just try to codify our uh, consulting experiences with our clients into into the books, so everyone can get a, um, to have a chance to see them. So we probably have about 15 different books out there. Uh, so anyway, the lgroup.com is the place to go. You could also, if you just want to get some leadership tips and tools, you could text the word leadership to 444-999 literally text the word leadership 444-999 and you'll get no selling involved. You'll just get like practical tips and tools a couple times a week. Uh, some leadership tools on Tuesdays on Fridays, we have something called weekend inspiration. It might be a quick video clip or a poem or a saying or something just to kind of inspire your weekend. So uh, that's no, another way to kind of connect with us. Wow. That's great. Thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, and I'd like to thank the listeners. You folks are who we're here for. And boy, did you get some really awesome information here. Uh, and you can tell that this is a book you, it, when you're in a leadership position, this is a book you should be picking up. Um, I'd also like to thank our sponsor. To get a free trial of audible.com as well as a free audiobook, go to audibletrial.com slash business growth. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. 
<clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool. Only from Progressive. The hour and a foul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.